Welcome to the Overreact podcast, proudly sponsored by Johnny Walker, a bold flavor for those who make bold steps. To be drunk in moderation and enjoyed responsibly, not to be sold for persons under the age of 18. In a society that puts women in a box. Let's overreact. I'm your host, Momo Hoya, and today I boldly showed up in this beautiful African or Nigerian-inspired gown. I don't know the name, (laughs) but yeah, I am showing up boldly. Welcome to the Overreact Podcast. Um, It's your girl, Lash Angela. I'm boldly showing up into 2024 with good vibes and selling experiences of good energy. It's your girl, Angela Wamboy, and I am just showing up boldly for my sisters that are in the house. Um, You know, together we stand, and uh, yeah, let's keep being our sisters Tuesday. Let's keep talking. (laughs) All right, and Jerry, how are you showing up boldly today? By smelling good. Hey. Oh, you smell good, girl. <laughs> <laughs> I love mm-hmm. it. <laughs> All right, so overreactors, we have uh, the pleasure of um, being with the lady in studio today who is someone that definitely stands tall against all odds. Um, this is a woman who definitely is the epitome of walking bold. Uh, we'd like to introduce Jerry Mwigu, who is the executive director and co-founder of Usikimye, which I believe in the power of words. And in Swahili, that means do not be silent. Uh, this is a grassroots-based organization that focuses on uh, preventing and also supporting uh, victims of sexual and gender-based violence. Um, Jerry, we want you to say hello to our overreactors. Tell them who you are and let us know how did you arrive at this point because the work that you do in the community definitely is a life calling. Mm. My name is Njeri Megwe. I work for an organization known as Usikimie. At Usikimie, we work towards ending the prevalence of gender-based violence. I believe that gender-based violence is something that we don't like talking about. Uh, we are very comfortable hiding it. And um, the problem with hiding something like that is that it festers. It's like a wound. And if it is left untreated, then it festers. And in Kenya, it has continued to fester. And let me give you an example. Um, last month in Eldoret, a two-month-old child was raped and the child died. Um, what does that say about our community and how we hide things and this child was raped by a relative? When did we arrive as a society to that place where we are very comfortable with things like that? The Eldoret Hospital uh, said they had 400 cases of rape last month. and. That is what happens when we don't talk about things. That's what happens when we hide things. And coming from a society where we are conditioned not to talk about GBV, we are conditioned to know that we have a creepy uncle. And all of us, when we see him, there's a way our mothers, you know, corner the children. That means we all know, but we all we are all not willing to speak out. And what happens is that children remain being violated. Uh, women keep on being beaten. There's so many things that keep on happening in the society that chooses to keep silence. So we at Usikimie and I as a person have made that bold decision to talk about it both digitally and to actually do it on the ground. I love that. So um, the definition of a bold uh, cause and you are such a bold woman and you're doing such an important work. We want to give you your flowers while I'm still here. Yes. yes. <laughs> Receive them. What are your favorite flowers? Yes. Um carnations. Um, you know those flowers that nobody seems to really, you know, like mm. morning breath. Yeah. Wow. Daisies. 
that combination. I love flowers. I'm a oh. flower person. I make sure I buy myself flowers twice a month. Well, yes, we yes. see you dressed yes. certainly, yes. 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 certainly blooming in this room. Um, so obviously every year there's the 16 days of activism and which is in line with your work of not being silent. And it's a, it's a calling for all of us to globally recognize that there are challenges faced by anyone, to be honest. It doesn't matter anymore whether you're whatever gender you are or whatever age you are. Um, with with um, globally recognized days or actions, how do you think they help in terms of bringing more voice to the voiceless? and bringing more voice to the actually raising awareness on the challenges faced either on a local level or an international level. And what are your views? And what else, how can we all get involved to speak more? <laughs> I was telling Angela earlier, um, 16 days of activism is a very good thing, right? Because all of us for one minute, uh, for 16 days in a year, we are suddenly focused on GBV and thinking about the consequences. But as an activist, for me, GBV is 365 days. And I feel like just having, I wish those days were scattered along the months and not just 16 days at that particular time and then it's done and then now we wait until next year when everybody will now have a call, for, uh, you know, an action call, come together and let's talk about GBV. Well, the whole year and with the statistics that we are armed with, I wish those resources that are poured into those 16 days of activism actually were poured into the people who are, on the ground doing the work. Uh, because most of the time I find that uh, companies will call me or will come together and do a march or do a run and you know, just talk about 16 days of activism. Then what? Mm. Uh, for me as an activist, no, it doesn't work. I feel like, no. What can we do in our own capacities? Not everyone will have the opportunity to open, a, open their homes or start an organization. What are some of the things that we can do in our capacity? Is it that we share it online? Is it that uh, we try and listen more, I guess, as one of the things that we were talking off topic? Um, our mantra at Osukimia is you and I, you and I can end gender-based violence. Mm -hmm. Now look, um, not everybody is called towards ending GBV. Not everybody's going to open an organization and you shouldn't really because it should be something that you really want to do. But there's so many ways in which you can help. Look at your friends. How many of us know somebody? We all know someone. I can assure you, if you look closely enough, you know somebody who's going through GPV. Because the current statistics that KNBS gave, that's Kenya National Bureau of Statistics in July, they say that one in three women in Kenya. So we are four women, one in three. Uh, so that should already tell you statistically what we're looking at. Um, so which means if you're in, in a gathering of three women, was somewhere there, Someone, one of you is going through something. Now, do we talk about it? Is it a conversation that we're willing to delve into? And are we those people who say, I mean, two people who sleep together, they share duvet. I mean, what can we do? She keeps on going back. My <laughs> God, I'm so tired. And, you know, such like conversations. These are conversations we need to talk. Do you talk to your children? If you have children or you have nieces and nephews, you have nibblings, do you talk to them? Do you really, really look at them and talk to them? When do you even ask simple things like just teaching children consent on their bodies and bodily autonomy? I never hug children. I ask them for their permission. Do you want me to hug you? Mm, oh, my God. Such a big question. And I think it brings down 
awareness is one of the aspects that we have to instill in our children. Um, how did you arrive at this point where you raise your voice and take on this bold mission to be the voice for the voiceless and to be a safe space uh, for countless women uh, who are going and girls and including men and boys uh, going through you know exploitation and different um, you know harmful uh, stuff like GBB? I am a survivor myself. And I don't even like calling myself a survivor because I feel like I'm past that. <laughs> I already went through my victimhood and my survivorhood and I thrived after abuse. And I feel like I didn't have this, the voice to speak when I was going through my abuse. I didn't know how to speak. And nobody who knew me then would have even assumed that I was going through abuse. I was such a... I tell people, and people don't believe it, I was so timid. I was a woman without a voice. I was a woman who had this certain lifestyle and I looked so posh and so collected. And my life was, you know, those things that people in this country sometimes admire. I mean, I was driving a Range Rover, so obviously, why would you be driving a Range Rover and you're crying a Range Rover? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, nobody would have believed. We looked like, um, I think when my story first came out, and people were like, but I know you. I used to see you drop your kids in school in this beautiful cars. And I'm like, right. <laughs> but I, deep inside, I was I was dying. And I didn't have a voice. I honestly, I even remember being beaten and not screaming because I was so ashamed. And I didn't want people to know what I was going through. Anyway, in the suburbs, when somebody's beating you and you live in half an acre, nobody's going to hear you anyway. So it's really pointless to cry. Only the workers in the home will probably know and know Madame Alicia Pwajana. So, wow. <laughs> so for me, it's like I didn't have a voice. And I kept quiet. And even after I left that marriage and I stayed, five years down the line, I was in a poetry session by Goofy, and we were talking. I was He's actually, amazing. Actually, yes. I've hosted Goofy's sessions forever. I am a lover of poetry, mm -hmm. and I was hosting that particular poetry. And um, it was called Missimo Seasons. And as Goofy was speaking about this heartbreak, about this, we were talking about relationships, and suddenly Adam broken me can you imagine mm -hmm. you're holding a mic and you're introducing and you're crying and you can't tell people what is happening because something inside of you has just burst open and i said crying and you know goofy we went to the back so jen goofy's like divine oh that's my that's my <laughs> that's my stage name for when i'm hosting mm -hmm. it's like divine what's happening and i'm like oh my god goofy i think i need to tell you something mm -hmm. and for the first time in 15 years i told somebody I have been going through, I went through so much abuse. I lost part of my hearing. And today, for whatever reason, it's come to the surface. And after that, I went to my Facebook and I typed. And I, I didn't really say the whole story, just give a summary. Simply like what I'm doing right now. And so many women came and they were like, what? But you always, and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so many women were like, I'm going through this. And I was like, oh. You mean it wasn't just me? Mm. And I found my voice mm. slowly. I wouldn't say it came out suddenly. I was still very ashamed. So when all these women, I remember I gathered them. We went to Allianz Fonse and 400 women showed up. That was crazy. And I was like, when I, they opened the stage and I looked at them, I said, oh my God, what am I going to tell this? Woman? I don't even have the words. I, remember I just sat there and I just gave my story. Mm. And there was such... There was crying and breaking, and after that, 
How did it feel to be in a room of other people who also were silent and had been going through similar or worse, whatever it is? How was it in that? How would you describe that moment, finding, I guess, a tribe that you could just uh, honestly speak uh, boldly and share whatever happened to you? I think the first thing is relief, like I'm not alone, which is, you know, it's ironic because imagine finding that you've all been abused and there's relief in knowing, oh, I'm not the only one. And then there was, that is when I realized a voice is needed to speak about these things in a different way and in a different manner from how these things have been spoken about. And when I started talking to most of these people, one of the commonalities was nobody was talking about it. We were all shame ashamed and there's such fear because shame narrows you down and boxes you and makes you be afraid to speak up. Yes. And you're like, why can't you speak about it? And one of the challenges I've actually given to churches is like, if you're talking about one in three and majority of the people in your churches are women, shouldn't gender-based violence be a topic that is addressed by the churches? Because if it starts from the pulpits, because Kenyans seem to love these things, then then maybe the awareness would catch up. We can't just be preaching other things and leave the most crucial things because if people at home are hurting, the thing is people are hurting and they do not know where to remove this hurt. And the other thing for me was like, mm, my kids are teens and one of the things they told me is, we wished we could have removed you. And that hurts. There is a level of hurt when a child tells you, I hated it when daddy beat you. And I wished I had money and I could, and I swear to God, there is a breaking. And every time I remember those words, and that's why I left, I'm always thinking, there are children who are going on and seeing their parents in abusive situations and the helplessness that that child feels and the anger and the chagrin means we are developing two kinds of children who are in these situations. Again, I want you to put back one in three. So one in three households, um, the chagrin that these kids are going through means that we are going to have children who are growing up. And one of the things is they're either going to be abusive because they're equating violence to love. I beat you because I love you. You know, I'm disciplining you. The same thing we do when we beat children and we tell them, nakuchapa junakupenda, nachapa dhambi. Whatever it is with our children. Yeah, and um, um, I mean, if you think about it, what kind of adults are these people going to become? Mm. And then the ones who are not going to be violent, they're going to be seeing violence. They will be very accepting of violence. That's why you see, like, the other time when he had something trending about this man who kept beating his wife, and, he, and then he bought her a car. And most of us were like, why can't she leave? You know, we're very comfortable. Why can't she leave? Let me tell you, the psychological trauma of being beaten can make you an addict. That's one. Mm. Two, there's something called battered women's syndrome. And three, there's trauma bonding and so many other psychological disorders. And so all these things, when you look at them, (laughs) then you start to realize it's not easy. I left more than seven times and I would Mm. go back. Because at first, where was I going? There was a... How do you begin? How do you start? Exactly. Where do you even start? You go home and you're shamed. Oh, look at you. Umerudi. Umerudi, uh, you know, like a broken marriage is like failure. Yes. Unatulete a shame. Yes. 
you know and for me it wasn't that i was shamed my dad was very supportive my dad first of all never agreed to this whole marriage thing because i met this person when i was a teenager my dad was like hell to the no and so my dad never approved but for me i had this thing i came from i was raised by a single dad so i came from that place of I did not have a home where there was a dad and a mom. You know, there's this thing, this idealistic family that we want, mm -hmm. that we feel that is a must. And so in my head... That's what you are aspiring to I, Yes. So I wanted to... And also, mm -hmm. I do not know why I had this deep thing inside of me that I wanted to prove to the world, just because I came from brokenness does not mean I cannot have a whole family. And mm -hmm. that kept me in a marriage for 15 years. And I feel like there is so many women who stay because of children. Yes, mm -hmm. which is a bad idea. And that yeah. conditioning of, like, I want to bring up my kids in a whole family. Yes. So you talked about intimate partner violence. Maybe you give us different cases of gender-based violence. Because um, I could get into an Uber mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. you know, that's not my partner. But I'll in, a, in some way, I'll go through some kind of abuse. But maybe you can just uh, break it down for our listeners and whoever is watching different faces of GBV. Well, and what is abuse, really, to be honest? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and first of all, let me just say this. Abuse is actually comes from power. When somebody has power over you, that could be your boss and you are the employee and you do not know that is why i always say there is nothing you can tell me about you sleeping with your house girl that is not true there's no consensual there because consensual means you have no power over me as a house girl and you're the man of the house or the woman of the house whatever and you tell me you want to sleep i'll sleep with you because i'm afraid i'm gonna lose my job and that is something i do not think we really look at um, let, let's just break down things. So there's physical violence. Yes. Um, now, there is assault, whereby I don't know you, we are unknown to each other, and you beat me. That does not fall under gender-based violence because that is physical assault, mm. because we don't know each other. It's it an altercation of it's some an, sort. Yes, so that, that one will not fall under the GBV. What falls under GBV is there has to be a form or a level of intimacy. In GBV, you will see that we have different things. We have rape. Um, of course, rape. Most of us imagine rape as being a stranger who jumps on you and rapes you. But we have different forms of rape. It could even be with an intimate partner where consent has been withdrawn. Something that people do not even like talking about. Um, so there's stranger rape. There is child sexual abuse where children are raped. Uh, we call it defilement or molestation. And this is to parents and to most people. I want you to know that 99% of the times, children are molested by those closest to them. Uh, that could be Facts. relatives. Uh, that could be people like, for example, your teacher, your priest, your imams, um, your family, your family, you know, family friend, um, your neighbor, people the children trust. It's very unlikely somebody's going to come and grab a child and rape them. But the people children trust are the people that call children. And then they tell them, I'm going to kill your mother. And this is why we as parents, we as guardians of children, we as people who are responsible for children, need to start talking to our children. I know we do not like talking about these things, but let me tell you, be very aware um, we handle at least a case a day. That's a lot. And these cases don't just come from 
because most of you are assuming because I work within um, a low-income area, that's where the cases come from. No, we do cases across the country. And so I can tell you statistically, that is what it is. So this is very important for you to note. Make your children aware, uh, teach your children, not just stranger danger, but also the danger within. Um, so we're looking at that. Then we're looking at cultural offenses like FGM. And when we talk about female genital mutilation, most of us think, aye, that one's done. We, we stopped. No, no, it's very much here. Mm -hmm. It's very much happening. This is December. This is the season. Oh, yes. Uh, there are cultures where a girl will not get a husband because she isn't cut. Like Korea. Korea actually happens very, very, very openly. It's not even a hidden secret. Uh, it's an area, it's the border. Area. Yeah. yeah, and it's done very, very. Oh my God, it, there are people working there and shout out to them. Mm -hmm. um, but I still get cases, and it's terrible. But then there are people who live in the city, who know better. People who live in the diaspora who bring their kids back mm. here home yeah. for the cut. And it's 2023. We are still doing this. So many communities, I will not be mentioning, but you know yourselves and you know what you're doing. And we need to end FGM. There is no reason why we are doing FGM in 2023. Especially the last stage with the small hole, you know. And is that what you call it? All of it. Mm. None mm. of it should be happening. Mm. Yeah. And now we, we even have cultural churches that are saying you're cursed unless you get the cut. It's insane. I mean, all of it. I Sometimes I listen to people and I'm like, are you people serious? This mm. is where we are at. Yeah. And it's crazy. And I remember, do you know how many women have rescued from FGM? Women who are grown, they are married, they have children, and their husband have joined to do what? And now they've come home and they're demanding their wives to be cut. And I'm like, excuse me? Mm. Oh, yes. Okay. So I'm saying FGM is FGM is so bad. That's yeah. a new and the twist, plot twist. Yes. So it's not just girls. There's also women. And then there's the fact that I remember this case in Juncha. I should not have said that, but it's out there. We'll, and we'll cut it off. Yeah, I rescued this woman. She had been beaten and really beaten. And she lost her pregnancy while I was holding her. Mm. And it was terrible and the only reason they wanted was because she refused to be cut while pregnant yeah while pregnant Jeez. every story that you tell is <laughs> just giving me shivers right now like i am mm. one of us. i don't know that was just a horrible story all through and through because we were in a car we were bleeding it was raining we were muddy i'm trying to rescue her big son and i'm unable to and we are being pelted with stones and we all almost died both of us and i was like why jv what is this you're doing and but seeing her after all of this surviving and getting on her feet has been an amazing journey so when i tell you fgm these cultural things we need to stop some things are just nonsensical and then we have early marriages and early marriages um, show up in two ways. There are, there are communities, obviously, that girls get married early. But that's what you think about when you think about early marriages, right? Yeah. But now, let me, let, let me inform you about different early marriage that most of us don't talk about. Let me take you back to our informal areas where we live, underserved areas, slums. <laughs> um, so you are 13, right? And your periods have started. And um, again, remember the story I told you about a mom not being able to afford certain things. So you went to work and you came with 200 shillings at home. Uh, currently, pads are 80 shillings. Now, 
at what point is there a budget for pads? There isn't. Mm -hmm. So this little girl starts using, and I have seen it, um, the floor, the, um, the, you know when you cook ugali, the packet, I have seen girls mm -hmm. use that. I have seen girls use these uhuru bags. And so there's a shame if it falls, because it will fall. Because even panties are an issue. Now, what do you think this girl will do? This girl will find a man and have sex with a man and get pads. At 13, you cannot, you don't have the power to negotiate condoms. What are the chances you're going to get pregnant? Very, very high. So this girl gets pregnant at 14. She's a mother. Right? You live in a single room. You're all five children and your mother and your father. That is two extra mouths to feed. Your mother's going to kick you out. Chances are she also got married at 14. And so a 14-year-old gets married. That's how early marriage looks like. And this, the story continues. Like the cycle, the cycle just con keeps cycle. going and yes. going. And going wow. and going. And then now we have a girl who did not read, who is illiterate because she didn't finish her school. She's never going to finish her school. She's gotten married to her first husband at 14. She's a child. A question, because you've brought something mm. that, I, that has sparked in my mind. Um, so when we talk, when these percentages are shared of abuse and it's mothers, whatever, what percentage is from a low-income family? Does it matter? Like, does abuse, does abuse um, choose, is it more frequent in more, like, lower-income families? And that no. might be because of, like, lack of income... Let me say this. Poverty does affect abuse. Okay. Because poverty has no dignity. Let me tell you, when you're, you're, when you're poor, you're frustrated, you're angry, you're hungry. You have everything else. That, and also when you're poor, you're many. So the statistically, it will look like you're more. Mm. Right? Because in that half acre that I lived by myself, that made me one. Right? But in that half acre, how many poor people live there? So statistically, what will look like, it's a lot more. Damn. Um, Jira, you've unpacked so much. Um, I've, I don't know, ladies, I think there's so many things that we learned about. GBV is not just a blanket issue. It's so layered. We have the cultural aspect. We have maybe socioeconomics, just so many different things. Um, but one thing that is unique to um, your initiative is your digital footprint. Mm -hmm. You do a lot of online storytelling, and these are not easy things to talk about. Um, I even wonder, you know, just taking care of your own mental health and your own mental wellness. Um, but talk about the power of um, the digital space when it comes to your mission. When we started, we were starting as an online awareness campaign. We were not starting to become an organization. Um, the idea was to get uh, a collective responsibility, like how do we bring awareness into this issue? That was the idea. And then the idea grew from an idea to something because now people are coming and they're like, I'm at the police station and I'm not being attended to. And I'm like, what? You know, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I found myself going down to police stations in, in, my, in my free time. And um, that's the power, that's the power of, uh, of being online. One of the things that we've really chosen to do is to actually tell the stories in a way that is palatable because if we really, really came out and said everything, you would all block us. Um, <laughs> so we try to make it as palatable as possible and we choose which stories to say because we are also afraid of traumatizing you. 
um, subsequently. So what we've done is, again, storytelling is powerful because somehow in that story you relate. Somehow in that story you realize, I, I, by the way, I know somebody who is going through this and hadn't really put it into consideration or perspective. You know, because now this is a real life scenario. And I found that because of that, people are actually able to report more because they're like, wait, so that child I've been seeing walking in a strange manner could have been abused. And chances are you find out it's the truth. Mm. Yeah. So every time we rescue somebody, you will find that we get like 10 calls from all around the country where people are telling us, I know this scenario. It's happened. Wait, my. So that is the power. It may be online. And I think people need to read more and, and understand more and actually be able to visualize before when you just statistically just report GBV. It's just statistics. We don't know how it looks like. Mm -hmm. So every different time we see something and we're like, this could be something that something could help other people. Mm -hmm. That's when we report it. But others, if we were to report everything, dear Lord. A question, mm -hmm. or rather maybe uh, use, use this as a teachable moment. So you mentioned earlier how like when your children say they don't want to hug you, you won't hug them. And so over time also, like personally, let's say if any of them had kids, I would be like, hey, want to hug them but then if they feel like they don't I'm not going to force it because I remember when you were younger I'd be like ah hug auntie hug uncle and so over time the person then doesn't the child doesn't know boundaries and doesn't come and tell you uncle touched me here or auntie touched me here so as a teachable moment for those who are listening or watching who are parents what are some of the tips on how to ensure that the child as they're growing up are able to understand do's and don'ts, and how do you make sure as a parent you're creating that safe space or what not to push and etc. As you answer that, I also want to know like how do access to justice really work? So I'm out of your house, I've gone to the police station, and we know how that system is you know, set up in this country. Talk about the boldness that goes into that system and that you know, pursuing of justice. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <Long> <laughs> moment. Let, let me start with the children. Right? Okay. It's an easier question yeah. than access to justice. Um, I feel as parents, we need to start looking at the children in our houses as humans. Not just something we got. I need us as Kenyans to start treating the little ones in our houses as little humans who are growing and who have humanity and who have body autonomy and who have autonomy over themselves. I feel like we treat children like they're nuisance, like mm -hmm. they are just to be seen and not to be heard. I need you to start talking to your children and I need you to start listening to your children. And I need you to know that talking to your children, as young as they are, I believe when a child starts, from the age of three you can start teaching your children about Sexual education, I know, scandalous, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't imagine. Imagine all you need to do is tell and call things as they are. This is a hand, this is an eye, this is a vagina. Mm -hmm. This is a penis. Stop calling them cookies, stop giving them names. That is how a child comes and says, auntie touched my cookie, and then you have no idea which cookie auntie touched, which cookie aunt wow. uncle touched, and now... Your child is yeah. being abused. Like the way people say birds and the bees. Yes. Yeah. 
What is so? I've never. I, why I don't. I, I don't, I don't understand but. why we have this hypocrisy around sex. It's like we are photocopied. No, we are not. We have sex and we do not get TVs. We get children. Now, those children that we get, can we talk about to them in a way and in a language that a child understands? You're three. I'm washing my child. I'm telling my child, nobody should touch you on your vagina. Mm. It's that simple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody? And then the child will tell you. And I remember um, one of the cases, which is interesting, because this was this came from very upmarket place, and somebody called me and said, Jerry, I never thought I'd make this call. I support your cause. And mm. I was like, oh, one of those. Okay. Uh, what is happening? And then she told me, my maid has been touching my child. By the time we took that child to hospital, that child had herpes. I am so angry because that's a four-year-old child. Do you see the importance of talking to your children? You're up market, you think you're insulated, you're not. Um, you think GBV is a poor people thing, it's not. Mm-hmm. So now your child has a permanent disease. Yep, which could have been avoided if you come home, wash your child, and talk to your child. Teach your child, even as you're wiping them, this is how we wipe. Right? Did anybody touch you? Mm. It was such a bad case. It was in the news. It was in the newspapers. But this is a case that came from us. Mm. And, you know. And so these are some of the incidents that you wouldn't think about. Your maid? So, like, <gasps> think it to Mo's question about, like, justice. So now in that scenario. Where do you start? Where do you begin? <laughs> you call me that could be a place <laughs> you call 1195 because first of all you're confused this is your child I, I can't even imagine the rage that you're going through the anger the frustration first take the child to hospital we have hospitals that actually do let me tell you access to justice without evidence uh, you're going nowhere subsequently mm. so I need immediately something like that happens Please, please, please. We have GBV. We call them GVRC. Those are so gender violence recovery centers. So Nairobi women, any public government hospital. So I'm talking about Kenyatta. And when you go there, don't go to casualty. Ask for the GVRC so that you can be given that priority of treatment. Um, even city council uh, hospitals have, but I would prefer if you go to a bigger regional, you know, like a level five hospital, uh, where they really know the kind of care that goes into that. But you need to do that. Please, I beg of you, do not go to a private hospital. That will not buy. You will not get justice. Mm. Because, um, yeah, you need to go to a, a recognized GVRC center. This is so, so important. If you want to get justice, do not go to a private hospital. If um, just for uh, before we wrap it up, where can they get like that kind of information I, in your website? Do you have like those resources? Yes. And numbers to call, etc. Yes, yes. What's your website? Osikenia.org. Uh, okay. yeah. And uh, what other ways can people like learn? Um, please share your socials. Our socials are Osikenia, and also my personal page on Facebook and Twitter, Njeri Wamegwe. You will find a lot of resources and a lot of information that we share there. Thank you for educating us a lot, and I'm sure this conversation, of course, doesn't end here. And there's so much to to learn. Um, do you do, just before we end, do you do any courses for women or educating? or? Oh, yeah. Okay. One, we run a feeding program. We feed 800 to 1,200 children a day. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is in Soweto Kayole. We do a lot of women empowerment. This is the part I love. Uh, we have chamas. 
our chamas in the start from 10 shillings all the way to 2000 shillings a week um this is this helps women and also we do a lot of upskilling uh where we teach women skills and not just bidwork we teach how to make power we teach how to make soaps and detergents and things like that for them to be able to empower themselves how to even just go around selling fruits i love that because it means somebody's able to have a better life today than they did yesterday making them bolder yes we run safe houses obviously um the safe houses are protected so you cannot visit them but you can come to our office volunteer your time i see there are three great things every person of each one of us has you have time what do you do with your time come Come, we have a library on Saturday. We read for fun, enjoy ourselves. You're a DJ, you are a, you have things that you can teach children. Come, 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 come. Watoto sisi tunakuitaji, watoto wa ghetto sisi. Just because you clean up nice doesn't mean you're not from the ghetto. Yes. Come. <laughs> I love it. And then, yeah, so you have three things you can give us. Your time, your skills, and your money. Thank you so much, Jerry. We really yeah. appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, we just continue to celebrate all the bold moves that you're doing and also the inspiration that you're giving to survivors to take that bold step. Um, and before we leave, uh, just give us one parting shot to our overreactors. Um, how do you live boldly? By being authentic. Be yourself. Everyone else is taken, they say. Absolutely. Um, thank you for tuning in. You can listen uh, to this episode and further episodes every Wednesday at 10 p.m. on Capital FM. You can also uh, listen to it digitally um, and watch us um, have this conversation uh, through Capital FM's pages on SoundCloud and YouTube, as well as Sister Speaks Global on YouTube and Google Podcasts, Apple, and Spotify. You can interact with us on our socials um, on Instagram, at SisterSpeaks254, at Overreact Podcast, as well as at SisterSpeaks254 on Twitter and TikTok. Let's continue talking, and let's continue being voices uh, to end GBV. All right, and this episode has proudly been sponsored by Johnny Walker, a bold drink to be enjoyed in moderation, Drink responsibly, don't drink and drive, and drink better, not more. And remember, this is the place we have bold conversations. And remember, being bold is just, you know, lending your voice and just being a voice to someone maybe who is going through, you know, exploitation or any forms of abuse. Um, so continue being bold, keep walking, and thank you so much for joining us. It's your host, Monica Mohoya. We'll see you next time. It's your girl, Lash Angela. It's your host, Angela Wamboy. Ladies. Let's, Let's overreact. overreact.